guys, welcome back to Floral Couch Conversations. I'm Emily. And I'm Melissa. And today we have another amazing guest. We have <laughs> one of my best friends for many years, Laura, is here Woo! with us. Hello, Floral Couch. Welcome, <laughs> Laura. Thanks for Thank joining you. us. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I've been waiting for this moment ever since the podcast started. We've been waiting to have you on and I'm so glad it finally worked out yeah because we have been friends for many years since we met sophomore year of high school and Mm -hmm. I feel like you have so many exciting cool awesome stories (laughs) and I want everyone to hear them heck yeah no pressure (laughs) (laughs) no pressure no pressure at all (laughs) okay so we started talking a little bit before we were recording but you're currently living just outside of dallas texas yes and you just moved there yeah i think it's my my week anniversary of being in the great nation of texas (laughs) what what are you what were your first impressions of moving to texas Let's see. Well, I had been driving for like four days straight, so I was a little delirious upon arrival. Um, But first impressions were it's extremely hot. Um, Like no joke, it's like 100 uh, high 90s every day. Um, I haven't been getting as many like thick southern accents as I've been wanting, but I hear that I have to go deeper into Texas to to get to experience that but yeah I mean like Texas is nice so far I made the decision I'm gonna become a resident like just a couple days ago which is kind of crazy but um yeah so good so far that's awesome so backing up a long ways we met growing up in Minnesota and you had kind of a unique experience in my opinion growing up and that you got to travel a lot while you were growing up with your family Mm -hmm. and you talk about how your parents made it a point to give you and your sister that cultural experience so can you talk a little bit about that yeah absolutely so um yeah my mom and dad decided that it was important for them that their their two daughters kind of expanded their worldview outside of the very white homogenous suburbs of Minnesota and so they made the dramatic decision to um, you know start traveling the world but not so much to like your everyday places but like from a young age. Uh, my sister and I visited Vietnam, Egypt, uh, Costa Rica. We also uh, visited Czechia with my grandparents who are also Czech and so we were able to go to like the hometown that they were from um yeah and this very much set me on the life path that has led me to where I am today Alyssa you have Czech relatives too don't you I do I am not Czech but I have relatives that have Czech in them (laughs) nice have you ever eaten a kolachki oh yeah Oh, good. Yes. And you're basically Czech. <laughs> we have a Kolachki days in the t- n- neighboring town that I grew up in. So. Oh, my gosh. Wait, was that in Montgomery? Because they have a Kolachki days in yeah. Montgomery. Yeah. Yes. I probably bumped into you there. I went there growing up. My fa- my grandparents are from Montgomery. <laughs> so funny. So I have a lot of cousins in Montgomery and they're all in like the Czech royalty. Yeah. Um, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
oh my god I can't wait to tell my family they're gonna freak out knowing that I have a friend who is related to royalty <laughs> okay this was the conversation I knew was gonna happen I just had to set it up <laughs> yeah Emily's just been waiting here it is it's <laughs> happening right now <laughs> and by check royalty I mean like pageant royalty oh oh I know <laughs> yes. I know exactly what you're talking about okay. but in like in that county, like, that is a big deal. Like, their yeah. picture is put up. Like, oof, yeah, that's exciting. Exciting times. <laughs> so fun. Did you ever feel, not weird, but, like, feel different about other kids going to, like, Disney World or traveling around the United States, but you were like, oh, yeah, my family was just in Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like that. that's a very good question. I feel like when I you know, hear about, like, that that's a decision that parents make to to bring their kids to, like, Disneyland every year or go to the same resort in Mexico. It's something that when I hear, like, I'm just like, why not? Like, why not go to, like, all these other places? But I've definitely come to realize that there's, like, a lot of the times it's just due to, like, not being exposed to um, international travel or, like, not knowing how. Like, the whole reason why my dad like started to think about international travel with his family because he had traveled for work was one of his coworkers or someone that he knew um, in the industry, like casually mentioned to him one day, yeah, me and my family just got back from like, I don't know, let's say Poland. And my dad was like, oh really? Like what brought you there? And they said that for them, it's important for them to travel internationally as a family. And my dad was like, but how do you do it? And so he kind of like gained the knowledge from someone he knew, which then he um, like coupled with his background in international travel kind of like started to actually consider to be a possibility of traveling with their family and like having the knowledge on how to do so. So I would say that that I used to like be a little bit judgmental when it came to that or just kind of like, why not go to like all these other places in the world? But I definitely now recognize that there's like, you know, there has to be some, some pre-existing knowledge or if like a family has never traveled before, that could be incredibly daunting to just like fly to Egypt, you know, um, or like other places around the world. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like a certain type of person, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. And that's also something that like, since I've had the ability to travel all over the world, like whenever I, whenever I'm talking about it with someone and they say like, oh, I wish I could, but I don't really know how I'm like, okay, like you let me know when I will sit down with you, like tell you how to travel on the cheap, like, you know, find flights that work for you. Like I've got all these resources because like that moment of realization and how it's not as accessible to everyone and like how it can be due to a lack of knowledge has like that that's now like a passion project I have is like how to um, pass on that knowledge and how to travel internationally and how to do it without breaking the bank. That's very cool. How are you passing on that knowledge? So it's mostly just word of mouth, although um, I have written some blogs that haven't seen the light of day on like. (laughs) That's what (laughs) I was feeling like needed to happen. Yeah, I know. I should I should distribute them. Um, but just like how to how to go couch surfing, for example, like I just did that on the way here. I stayed for free with a couple in Chattanooga who had really like a really nice place. And I stayed there for free and they gave me local knowledge and we spent time with them. Um, so right now it's 
it's word of mouth though. Like I've definitely considered how could I actually, you know, create a website that passes on this information and turn it more into a concrete thing, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I want to get to couch surfing and, and international travel and like maybe drop some quick tips for our listeners. Let's back up a little bit further and talk about how you got all the way there in the first place. (laughs) So do you want to talk a little bit about your decision on where to go to college and your career path and a little and what you did after graduation Um, as I had traveled a lot I really loved learning about other cultures and like their history and so I wanted to study that um, as my major in college and so um, I I looked up I created a list of colleges um, around the Midwest outside of Minnesota I did not want to go to college in Minnesota (laughs) that um, (laughs) yeah that was my one one of my factors that offered um, international studies and international. And then I think it was like sophomore or junior year of high school. My family and I went on this like epic road trip uh, where I think in like four days we visited seven colleges, which is insane. And Loris College, which is where I went for undergrad, that was, I think, stop number seven. And so I was just, I didn't even want to go. My mom's like, get out. Like, we're here. Like, let's do the tour. And so we did, and it didn't really stand out in my mind, although I knew that they had international studies versus international relations, which was really interesting to me. But then I started to get recruited for a track um, by the coach. And he was actually like calling me like once a week, every two weeks. And I actually started to think it was annoying, but um, I applied, (laughs) um, got a pretty, you know, got a pretty good scholarship and so I decided to give it another chance and do a campus visit and I did it with a member of the track team and that just completely like blew my mind seeing how much of a family the track team was um I actually like opened my mind to the possibility of going there and looked deeper into the international studies program saw they had an honors or honors program which was exciting and that coupled with, you know, my name, Laura, is very close to Loris. Yes, of <laughs> course, I know that. Even my grandma was like, oh, Loris, that's just like your name. Yes, grandma, I know you're like the 20th <laughs> person to tell me. But that was, that was just like the, you know, the final deciding factor. So, um, yeah, decided to go to Loris for college. Um, didn't really know what I wanted to do after graduation. Like, I went to have studied anything else besides international studies and politics. That's kind of when I looked into AmeriCorps and saw that that um, would be the perfect thing for me to do while I kind of figured out what I wanted to do in the long term. So we just had another guest a couple podcasts ago, our friend Keely, who also did AmeriCorps after graduation and she worked with high school students that were trying to get into college Uh, yeah and so I told her a little bit about you and and what you did with AmeriCorps and and we talked on that podcast a lot about how it's such a good option if you don't know what you want to do and it still gives you those skills that you need to learn after graduation but kind of gives you like some different options if you don't really know where you want to be yeah, absolutely. I I felt like I grew a lot during AmeriCorps. I mean, especially because just like straight out of undergrad, I I was like managing a computer lab. I was like working one-on-one with visitors to the lab, helping them find find jobs, like encouraging them to write resumes, teaching technology classes um, for everyone from like a lookalike to my grandma who was definitely middle class to like 
you know, the homeless population. So it was like a wide variety. So I absolutely love my time with AmeriCorps. That's also when I, I started to really like capture the things and now incorporating in the work that I do now. So um, yeah, absolutely love it, recommend it though. I do think, cause I've heard a lot about other people's um, AmeriCorps stories and programs. I think it definitely depends on which program you do. Um, though I think that I lucked out and it sounds like Keely also lucked out with having like a very positive experience with AmeriCorps. Yeah, that's awesome. So how then did you decide to go to grad school and pick, pick your grad school program? So I absolutely just stumbled upon the field that I now am working within. Um, the official name is International Education. And I remember, so when I was doing AmeriCorps, I was a part of this like larger AmeriCorps organization called the Intercorps Council. And um, when I was a member on there, I helped edit and run and put out like a um, an e-newsletter that had, it was marketed towards AmeriCorps members. So it was like how to have your, your garden on the cheap. And just like, these are some free events for all of us to go to, cause we have no money cause we're in AmeriCorps. Um, and one of those articles that I read was um, an interview with an alum who was studying um, international education. And it was talking about how she was, you know, working within the field and trying to make study abroad a lot more accessible to um, underrepresented communities. And so I saw this article and I'm like, wait, what? International education, what is this? And so I started researching and what I was finding was like giving me goosebumps. It's like talking about like, you know, making international experiences accessible to others. Um, most people who go into the field, end up working at uh, universities or colleges as a study abroad advisor, or they work on the other end with incoming international students um, in colleges and universities. And so I saw this and I was like, okay, how do I do this? And um, discovered that in order to do it, I needed to go to grad school. So that's kind of like when I began this search and found out about this this school called the School for International Training out in the middle of nowhere, Vermont. It's in Brattleboro, Vermont. And this school, like I applied like a year in advance because no matter what they tell you within two weeks, whether or not you got accepted. And was, I don't think I've ever put enough like harder work into an application because essentially the graduate school, it's a, it's a school that's focused on social justice. It's focused on experiential education. Um, and it's very like practice focused. So you do nine months on campus and then you do um, nine months uh, or six months to a year of a practicum uh, where you can do anywhere of your choosing and you kind of put your what you've learned into practice. So I applied, got in, like instantly cried. And then that kind of began my journey into international education. So where did you do your practicum? So I decided upon a company called El Nomad Abroad based out of Cuenca, Ecuador. The thought that went into that is, let's back up a bit. <laughs> so after high school, like when I graduated high school, I was very proficient in Spanish, like got a five on the AP Spanish exam, was like, oh, this is one of the loves of my life, and then proceeded to do nothing with Spanish for like seven years, aka I lost like most of it. So essentially, um, ever since then, ever since I'd lost my Spanish, I've been wanting to 
get back to it. And so I took some classes in grad school and kind of got back up to the point that in order to really advance my Spanish, I needed to immerse myself in it. So I found a study abroad company, super tiny um, company based out of Cuenca, Ecuador. And so I became their student services and marketing coordinator. So essentially, I just did, I <laughs> took on all of the social media, all of the marketing. Um, I developed some programs in countries outside of Ecuador. Um, also did not know until arrival that my boss and the founder of the company weren't actually in Ecuador and yeah but so that that's where I did it definitely improved my Spanish definitely learned a lot through living abroad for the first time it was scary but it was exciting and I what was the most challenging part of working abroad I would say it wasn't so much the working aspect. Um, I would say that it was the like creating a community aspect because Something I didn't realize until I like uprooted myself and moved to Ecuador was every situation I found myself in had like a pre-existing community. So I went from high school to college to AmeriCorps um, to grad school. And then I show up in Ecuador and I like for the first time had to really put a lot of effort into meeting people. And so the first month was actually like really lonely until I joined a run club which fun fact I hate long distance running but that's how badly <laughs> I wanted to like make friends and then I started running 10k so it had like you know some uh, some positive things come from it but I joined a run club and most of my friends were middle-aged men um, bachelors without families and so like we would go get beer every now and then after Tuesday or I'd ask them we would do like extra workouts together and then I was like all right I need to make some friends my own age. And so I did. I, like, put more effort into it. And those are the friends that I um, keep in touch with. Uh, one of them lives in Colorado now, so I went and visited her. Um, and actually a family that I became close to through Run Club, they're, like, half an hour for me. So we're, I, we have plans to meet up within the next week. So, yeah, I guess there's also that benefit of uh, living abroad is you're a lot more connected to people all around the world. But yeah, I would say like circling back to the original question, the hardest part was just like creating community, like creating friends and having a support system within the city I was living in. That makes sense. Yeah. I feel like that's the scariest part for me of ever like whenever I consider yeah. moving. <laughs> yeah, got it. And even like I'm kind of going through that again here because Every job I've had over the past, um, well, ever since Ecuador, you know, kind of same thing. You're in situations where you have like a co, a co-leader, or you have other youth educators that you're working with for three months. And so they're, those are the people that you like hang out with and spend time with. But now I'm finding myself in Texas uh, where I'm here for nine months and time for me to like, I don't know, find a run club, but there's a bike <laughs> club here. So now I think I'm going to become a biker, which I already kind of am, um, like starting to do more because Denton's a very bikeable city. Yeah. So now <laughs> it's time to like make friends, put myself out there, like <laughs> on a smiley face. Oh, I kind of hate it, but I'm also excited. <laughs> I have no doubts that you will make friends and find a beautiful community. You know, as, as like much as like, I'm sure that was from your heart, but, like, that actually means a lot because it kind of sucks. Ugh, I don't know. Thank you. Thank no, you, Emily, I... for that vote of confidence. 
Well, I'm sure it's hard, but if there's anyone who could do that several times over even the last few years, I feel like it's you, so. Thank you. I appreciate it. On the friendship topic, you guys met in 10th grade, did you say? Yep. Do you remember your first impressions of each other? All right, you go first, Emily. Oh my gosh. Yes. So, Laura transferred, actually, to our high school after freshman year. So, pretty much everyone had already been there for a year. And I became friends with a big group of girls who all went to the same elementary (laughs) and middle school growing up. And that was the same school that Laura went to. And so, they all knew Laura. And one of my, like, best friends who I hung out with didn't really like Laura very much. (laughs) And it was just, like, dumb middle school things, like, no real reason. And so she had, like, gotten in my ear, like, we don't like Laura, she's... Wasn't it it because I, like, I was friends with all the boys? Yeah, like, she flirts with all the boys. And (laughs) so I was like, oh, dang, like, who's this girl going to be? Yeah. (laughs) And then I met her, and we... I just, like, remember immediately hitting it off with you and being like, I don't know what these people are talking about. Like, I love this girl. (laughs) And I remember the first time we hung out, it was a snow day. And we got let go from school early. And Laura invited me over to her house and we made peanut butter cookies. Uh (laughs) And after that, I was like, we're best friends. (laughs) Yep. I have so many, like, signs that you made me. Emily, I think I showed you last time we were together. We were so weird in, like, yeah. <laughs> the best way possible. Yeah. I, what I would add to, to, like, my first impression is I remember that, Emily, your profile picture on Facebook while when I was transferring was you, like, on a bunk bed with a friend from camp. Like, that's how – oh, like, I'd also been told – I know. I'd also been told about you. And I'm like, who's this Emily girl? And, like, I hadn't been told that, like, you were mean or anything. But I'm like, oh, like, maybe we could be friends. And I, like, see this picture of you. And I'm like, oh, she looks nice. So <laughs> there wasn't anyone telling me I shouldn't be friends with you. So I'm I, happy that we had to I don't friends. think you've ever told me that. About yeah. the- <laughs> I know exactly what picture you're talking yep. about. <laughs> Laura and I were always the ones up the latest at every sleepover. <laughs> like laughing hysterically to ourselves about absolutely nothing <laughs> i just had so many memories do you remember the firefighter that was so creepy yeah. <laughs> was just, i can't even like there's there's no no more context that can be added but we just like spoke in a really high-pitched voice about this like firefighter and i think we were delirious because probably like 5 a.m but <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yep and then We're we so had like weird. a whole story about Twilight and Charlie and the polar bear. Yes, never forget. We would be really weird and like hide in closets at people's (laughs) houses when we were supposed to be hanging out like normal people. That sounds nothing like you. I don't get it. No, I don't think I don't think I've ever done that super out of character. (laughs) God. So speaking of friendship, how do you stay in touch with friends or like stay close with people who you've met? all throughout the world when you are kind of on the go every like every nine months or so for sure that's a that's a really good question so I guess to give like a little bit more background information about myself so besides the job that I have now like prior to this I was um, leading a gap year semester in South America and so like for three months there 
And then for the past couple summers, I've worked for um, a summer program um, based out of Mexico and the United States. And so largely over the past couple years like there's like months at a time where I basically like don't have the energy or capability or even like wi-fi or data connection to um to speak to anyone when I do it would be to Matt um who's my partner um that I'm sure we're gonna talk about later (laughs) but um and so within that I felt like prior to me like taking on these jobs were for months at a time, I really didn't have the ability to talk to many people. Prior to that, I did put like a huge effort into keeping in touch with all the people, like my friends from high school and college, but I found it to get like harder and harder. Um, But one thing that I really love is, you know, the friends that, that have stuck with me, like the ones that I still consider to be like my closest friends, shout out to you, Emily, (laughs) are the friends are the friends that like, you know, when I am in Minnesota, or if I am like either of us are like, hey, like, let's catch up. And then we'll like have a call um, that like lasts for hours and hours. And it just seems like, you know, it seems like things never change. And so I do like now feel like I'm, I have a nine or an I have an eight to four because of time difference. I have an eight to 4pm job now, except for the summers, like, I'm basically a normal human for the time being. And so I feel like now I'll, I'll have more of a, the capacity to, you know, work on those relationships and maintain them. But what's been really great is like through living in Ecuador, through traveling and, you know, working all the youth programs that I have and having met people from all over the world, um, I definitely have a very wide network of like friends that I can catch up with. There was a girl that when I was living in Cuenca, she was my first friend and she was just traveling through with with her partner and they ended up getting engaged um, later on in their travel. She stayed with me for about a week and then I got invited to her wedding. And so, um, you know, like that's someone that I met traveling that I still talk to now. Um, on the way up from North Carolina to my job, I stayed with a friend that I worked with last summer in New York. And so, you know, the def- the world definitely gets a lot smaller through like all the friends that I've made and um, all of that. And it- it's kind of the same thing where um, a lot of these people that I've met while traveling, I feel like there's like a- an extra special connection that comes from the friends and people that you make. Um, and I guess the-, the friends that you make while traveling, because it's like, accelerated a lot more so it's good Mm -hmm. to know you know I have like all these people around the world that I can say hi to on messenger and then we can like catch up with and you know see how they're doing or have like a couch whenever I'm in their corner of the world and like vice versa exactly yeah I was gonna say you pretty soon you won't even need to use couch surfing anymore just (laughs) call up your connection in whatever place (laughs) yeah for sure so you mentioned before the idea of 30 countries under 30, and that's going to 30 different countries before you turn 30. So are you, st- are you still working on that? Yes, it's something that I, you know, I started to kind of like accentuate my lifelong desire to just continuously travel the world. Um, And so, yeah, but then I kind of had a moment of, you know, I shouldn't just go visit countries just to check this off. But like, so once I took that aside, um, 
Yeah, I've definitely gotten close. What What's your guess on, what's both of your guesses on what number you, I'm on? Oh my gosh. 21. So I'm on 29. One, what? Yeah, one more to go <laughs> until I reach 30. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's accomplished. I think Matt and I are going to, we're going to try to escape sometime or during these nine months. So yeah, it's definitely, it's it's something that originally began as like a, more of a checklist like oh I gotta get to like 30 countries before I'm 30 but now it's like all right girl like slow down like visiting countries shouldn't be just a checklist like don't do it just to do it but do it because you want to truly get to know a country and its culture yeah Matt and I's trip to um, Eastern Europe a couple months ago definitely helped I think we did like five countries then Um, and it definitely was a whirlwind looking back we were going to try to do um, six countries, which would have brought me to 30. But I was like, no, we need to chill out. Like <laughs> every couple of <laughs> days we were going to a new country. I'm like, that's too fast. So so you have a couple of years to achieve uh, this goal. <laughs> I do have three years to get one more under my belt, um, unless you count Galapagos. I know that the Galapagos is not a country, but though it did require a flight to get there. And it's um, a territory of Ecuador. So but if you don't if you aren't counting that what will be your 30th country (gasps) that is such a good question um I think that it depends on flights like where is a place that um that's Matt and I can afford to go visit what's one that we're interested in so I mean my dreams of visiting Australia and New Zealand are probably going to have to be put on hold because um (laughs) that those flights are like so, so expensive. And even with like the searching for cheaper options and with extreme layovers and multiple flights, it can be pretty expensive. So I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, to be determined, I guess. Uh, Matt and I are going to wait until I start my, my full-time position on Monday. That's when um, my first day is to kind of like have me get into – to the the rolling of things kind of see how it how it's working out and then we're gonna hopefully probably for new year's um over matt's winter break and once i accumulate some time off we're gonna go on a trip then very exciting i'm excited always (laughs) excited to travel is there any any place that's top on your list besides australia and new zealand oh god I, i would say japan um i almost studied abroad there but then made the decision that Japan's a place that's fairly easy, that that's like easier to visit um, due to it being highly developed. Um, and so I went to Cambodia instead. What I did not put into consideration is how expensive it is to visit Japan and like spend time there. So it definitely would have been um, cheaper, especially if I had been doing it for study abroad. So um Part of me regrets that. I had an amazing time in Cambodia and learned incredible amounts. But um, yeah, so I'd say Japan is way up there. Um, The second year of Matt's graduate school is in Costa Rica. And so I'll most likely be based there. And so we'll do some like Central American um, backpacking. So exploring that part of the world. But I mean, you know me, I'm open for like any anywhere as well. Like Matt really wants to visit the stands. I'd love to visit Russia. I'd be down for just about anything. Do you think you'll set another goal after you reach your 30? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't think I will because, 
I think that setting goals, I now realize that like setting goals like 30 before 30 is, um, it can kind of like your motivations for travel can be put into like the context of what travel shouldn't be, which is just like, you know, getting stamps in your passport, but instead like actually getting to know the culture and travel because you want to like meet the people and like expand your worldview versus just like, all right, country number 30, sweet. Let's go on to the next one. Um, so, I mean, that being said, I also just like love traveling and love um, visiting countries. And so I don't know if I'll set a number to it though. In my head, it's, it's just going to be the general goal of, all right, I got like some money. I got some time. Like, where am I going? Yeah. <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. So speaking of math, you guys have kind of an interesting story as to how you kind of met and started dating. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So Matthew, we met in my graduate school. He was living out of a van at the time. Uh, He had decided to buy a van and traverse the United States before heading to the Dominican Republic um, for Peace Corps. And so he had worked with um, someone I was going to graduate school at Rocky Mountain National Park as a park ranger. And so she convinced him to come visit campus in November, even though he hates the snow. But she did a very good job because he he came. And so (laughs) my first impression of Matt was uh, not the best. He was wearing like this 70s ski jacket and he had like hair that he like (laughs) yeah he like walked by and like flipped his hair back and he does not recall this but I have not forgotten it and so I remember I've seen this jacket it's a great (laughs) yes I now own it I was gonna say did he yes did he wear it to our volunteer event (gasps) he did yeah he did (laughs) (laughs) that's the one oh my gosh yeah so you know it oh that that brings me so much joy um (laughs) yeah so my first impressions was like who is this guy and it was a very small campus and so like I first heard this like stranger's voice I'm like oh my god like who is this person um but then our first conversation outside of me um, telling him to be quiet because he was playing guitar in the background while I was performing spoken word. Um, that was one of our next interactions was me being like, can you please be quiet? Like people are performing. And he's like, Oh my God, I'm sorry. So that was like one of our first interactions, but our first real conversation was later on at the night at a, um, a dance party, a five person dance party, very typical of my graduate school. Um, they were awesome. (laughs) It might sound weird, but they were awesome <laughs> and can you like set the scene for that is that like in a living room or like yeah, all right so here we go um it was in <laughs> el cafe which is the place that during the day we would uh, meet up um for for like group projects and homework um because oh yeah so i guess i lived on campus so this is all happening on campus so el cafe was kind of the the main meeting point where by day we studied and by night we um drank libations and danced and did like trivia nights and stuff like that and so yeah so there was a dance party later that night and there was five of us um most of the lights were turned off I think we had like three um of those boxed wine because it was grad school and that's all we could afford um just the really cheap (laughs) stuff 
Yeah, and so we're just like dancing around and you know, we were going out picking songs. He picked I Miss You by Blink-182. I remember thinking that was weird because that's not really like a party song, but he rocked to it and <laughs> I rocked to it. <laughs> and then one of our first conversations was about Prince because duh, I'm from Minnesota. Um, and yeah, and then we just kind of spent like the rest of the weekend just like hanging out and talking and from like our first conversation he was like making me think just like even deeper about things that I hadn't considered about before such as like whether fate exists and just we're just having these like really great conversations like right from when I met him so much so that like when he left or after he left I (laughs) went for a walk with one of my friends and I told her I was like if he would have stayed, like, I think I would have fallen in love with him. And I was not going to see him again because he's about to do Peace Corps. He, um, you know, we had actually talked about, like, he's like, yeah, I'm not looking for anything. I'm like, yeah, me either. <laughs> like, I'm not wanting any boys in my life right now. But then he decided to roll up in his van to Minnesota, like, a month later when I was home for Christmas break. And then his birthday's the day after mine. And so we flew to Mexico together to like celebrate our birthdays. And it was there, we're like, all right, like enough, like let's date. Um, and so we started <laughs> our long distance relationship then. And so finally now after over two years of the distance, we have an apartment together in Texas. Very cool. So did he meet your entire family before you were in <laughs> So um he met, yeah, he did. And I, and I was so like, I, I just introduced him as a very good friend that I made while at graduate school because we definitely were not going to be dating at this time. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, that, that's how I introduced, wait, you didn't meet him then, did you? No, I did meet, we did meet him then. That's when he was wearing his ski jacket. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And even then, I think that I just told you that like, I mean, I'm kind of into him, but we're not going to date. Um, Mm-hmm. yeah and so he also met my my grandparents oh my god he met actually the entire side of my dad's family all the Montgomery people I was talking about earlier he met <laughs> all of them because they dad side through like a seeing me party there's a better name for that <laughs> a seeing me party just as a means for like me to get to see everyone before I headed out and Matt was there so Matt met everybody So, yeah, good question. Yes, he did indeed meet my entire family before we were dating. I think that's so cute, though. Like, I feel like Emily and I have many a conversation about fate. And, like, if one thing would have happened differently, like, we wouldn't be where we are. I don't know. I love those kind of stories. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And I so believe in fate. And this is one of Matt and I's biggest discussions and debates is whether or not it exists. I'm very much in that duh it does like look at how you and me started and he's like that was chance and I'm like no it's not yeah that's one of our biggest ongoing um debates but I'm definitely on both of your sides with yes I do think that there was more than just chance that brought us together yeah I I think there's like chance to a certain degree but I also believe in like a plan yeah, yeah. but also like a variable to the plan yeah for sure. I definitely agree with you. <laughs> What's something that's happened in both of your lives that makes you believe in fate? Are we thinking of the same one, Emily? What are you thinking of? Oh, well, I always think of, we always talk about how if I wouldn't have gone to grad school, I wouldn't have met Scow. <gasps> yes. Because I was like on the fence about going 
like graduating True. early and going True. to grad school or waiting a year and then I went he went to bed in my cohort. That's what yeah, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> to hear him be called Scow. I remember when you were first telling me about him, Emily, you're like, Yeah, most people call him Scow. Yeah, but I don't like calling him Scow, but yeah. I like still like waver back and forth on what I call him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, actually really impressed that you can go back and forth because whenever we're talking, you say Scow, but then I'll hear you talk to someone else about him and you say Matthew, and I'm like, how does she do it? Like, he has so <laughs> many names. It's confusing, and I ha- call him Scow when I talk to people who call him Scow as right. supposed to, like, not confuse him because also we have several other mats. And yeah. <laughs> everyone's dating a mat, so. Oh, my God, it's everywhere. That's. Matt, one of Matt's favorite things to say is that Matt is the most popular name of the year 1990. Probably like 1991, 1992, just like all the years that we were born and like the people were closest to. Yeah. <laughs> Emily was the most popular in 1992. So. Wow. Look at you. There you go. No, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Alyssa's never been the most popular. <laughs> is that like considered, is Alyssa considered like an older name or... Is it just, has it never reached, like, the top of the charts? I guess I have no factual evidence to support that. I'm just assuming it was never number one. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Emily is an older name. I was named after my great-grandma. And I feel like a lot of people think it's an older name. But for some reason, it, like, surged in popularity in the early 90s. Yeah. I wonder, was there a famous Emily in the... Em- Emily Dickinson. Yeah, but like in the but 90s. she was not nineties. Yeah, because <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think I don't, know. I don't know. Baby trends are so baby name trends are so fascinating. Once the royals named their children, like those are absolutely surging in popularity right now. And like all the Game of Thrones names that are popular yes! right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't. <laughs> I can't wait to be working with like Daenerys's in like fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Drogon. Dragon. That'd be funny. (laughs) Dragon. We knew a guy who called himself Dragon in college. Wait, actually? Yeah, he, like, told people to call him Dragon. He smoked a lot of hookah. (laughs) (laughs) That hookah will get to your brain. Well, yeah, it happened, yeah, because he would, like, blow out the smoke and then call himself the Dragon. I don't know. Oh, I get it now. Okay, that makes, that context makes a little bit more sense. (laughs) It's not just a random guy just walking around, yeah, call me Dragon. (laughs) But that's what he would do, so. Yeah. (laughs) Going back to traveling, you've couch surfed a lot. You have a lot of experience in using couch surfing. Can you explain what couch surfing is? And then what would you say to someone who was like, oh, couch surfing? Like, that sounds sketchy. Why would you do that? Oh, absolutely. That is one of my favorite questions. Okay, so. Couch surfing is essentially a means of finding accommodations um, for free. And you're staying with locals that open up their space. So you get to stay with them for free. And it's also based on based on the context of um, cultural exchange. So you will get to stay with locals in a city. And the expectation is that you'll like spend time with them, like get to know them. But it's very much like the person who opens up their home is kind of just like doing you a favor. And it's also, like, at the heart of it is to make traveling more affordable and accessible. And so I first, I first couch surfed and was able to afford backpacking 
through Couchsurfing through Europe. Um, so I stayed with hosts in Paris, Bratislav, Poland. I still pronounce that wrong. Um, but just all over the world, as well as um, I've Couchsurfed in Canada, Chicago. I Couchsurfed two days ago in Ch- or no, last week in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And it's like you can find hosts basically in every single city all over the world. Of course, like then, you know, the next question that always pops up is, yeah, but like how you're staying with strangers, like you never know what's going to happen. And what I would say to that is there's definitely ways to do it like more safely than others. So I'll look at the profile with them, especially if it's a male host. I definitely try to stay with uh, female hosts or like couples more than just um, a single male because that just makes me feel more comfortable though I will say I have stayed with um just like single like male hosts and I haven't had any issues but within there you definitely want to pay attention to the reviews so you know making sure that it's all positive reviews that there's um reviews from like single female males who have stayed with them and had positive experiences hosts can also get verified um, which means that they went through a process to verify their address their identity um, the house of a host but like at any time if you feel uncomfortable you can leave I mean what I would also say is yes like couch surfing it can be kind of like a scary concept but also with like Airbnb like you don't totally know who you're staying with or at a motel with like creepy people around you um though I've I've only had positive experiences hosting and being hosted by couch surfing and I'm happy if anyone here um wants to learn more and wants to have more tips like they are more than welcome and encouraged to like talk to me about it because I am happy to become their friend and couch surfing um write them a review so people know that they're a real person where can people reach you then they could at me at I am Wondra Woman on Instagram or send me an email, uh, Laura Wondra, W O N D R A at gmail.com. Say that you listen to this podcast and I will um, be happy to answer any questions. Perfect. We'll link it for us in the show notes too. Um, I had a question for both of you too, though, um, if I'm allowed to ask questions. Sure. Yes. So I would love to know if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? Well, my number one place I want to go is Australia, <gasps> Australia and New Zealand. Yes. And just for obvious reasons, because it's absolutely beautiful and it's just like such a different place depending on where you are in the country and it's always been on my list as top places to go the other one is clear water florida whoa <laughs> <laughs> because that's where all the manatees meet wait up didn't you go there in february no i went to um key largo florida and that's where these manatees just swam up to me in a state in a state park but i really want to go where you can swim with the manatees and then also for like this certain time period in february where the water is like warm in this one part of the river in florida oh my gosh is a clear river or somewhere don't something clear river clear water yeah is where I need to go to see the manatees. Um, why? Yes. Like, when's your PTO? Why? You guys need to go there. You of all people need to go there. <laughs> yeah, we also have just a lot of other obligations. Yeah. But fair. that's ex- that's excuses. And we're trying to move yeah. within the next <laughs> year or so. You've so. got some stuff going on. <laughs> but it's going to happen. Yes. Oh, my 
that one's definitely more accessible than Australia. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Alyssa? Poland, I think, is always at the top of the list. I'm like, have a very Polish background, and I just have like a fascination with, and I'm very interested in like World War II. So I think it would be a lot of history to see there so yeah and then when you if slash when but hopefully when you go to poland it's there's so many other places around there as well um, yeah. so you go on a, a trip yeah i've never actually been to europe or like overseas so i've got some exploring still to do in my yes life. <laughs> fun fact flights from um msp to um reykjavik iceland are like 200 dollars or less right now and then from there you can fly into Paris for like super cheap or um, you can fly into Hungary which is what Matt and I did so if you're trying to get to to Europe um, for cheap the best way is to fly through Reykjavik and there's very like accessible patterns oh you can talk to Emily about that you know there's there's like little like trips that you can do on layovers that they like cater to guests that are going to the mainland Europe but um, keep that in mind will do (laughs) yes Iceland air is great but also lots of ads you said they can they can destroy your suitcase wait oh did that happen to you oh no it happened to Aaron when we were going we talked all about this I think when Aaron was on the podcast talking about how I got stopped at every single airport we went to when we were traveling through Europe like at, like without fail I would get stopped at security <laughs> in every single airport and when we were flying out of Paris they were talking to me in French what? and they would not stop speaking French to me and I was like sorry no like I don't speak French and they just kept speaking French uh. and Finally, they were like, oh, like, sorry, we, we, you look so French. Like, we thought you just thought you were French. And then another time, this lady came up to me and was like, do you, do you speak Polish? And she started speaking Polish to me. What? And I was like, sorry, no. And she's like, oh, you look Polish. And you're and, like, what is happening? And then it happened again, like some other country where I guess I just look very European. I don't know. Wow. International Emily. Yeah, (laughs) I wish. (laughs) That's hilarious. So, Laura, we have a question that we ask all of our guests, and that is, if you had a reality show about your life, what would it be called and why? Dude, I spent so much time, like, thinking about this last night. Like, I'm... I'm really excited about my answer, though it's really complex and perhaps not a reality show, and perhaps only I will think it's funny. But oh my what gosh. I would what <laughs> I would choose to do. Okay, so you know when people ask the question, like, tell me something interesting about yourself, and most people like don't really know how to answer, and it's like turned into a question that like most people hate. Well, for me, this is something that like I feel like I have a chapter book of things that I could draw upon because I've like had so many weird, like an interesting experiences so for me I could be like oh would you like to hear about the time that I pierced an alpaca's ear in a fertility ceremony um that time I was an extra in a kung fu movie accidentally made it on google maps like got lost in the tunnels under my college played the star spangled banner on trumpet on target field even though I don't play trumpet like I feel like there's (laughs) I feel like there's so many just random things that have happened in my life. Um, so I personally love being asked that question. But I feel like if I had a reality, it would be called Funny You Should Ask. And it would be me sitting, drinking drinking craft beer with friends um, because craft beer is delicious. And um, it would be like completely staged on purpose. Like we're just sitting there chatting 
and then there's a large alpaca statue in the corner and then someone's like oh hey does anyone hear like alpacas and I'm like camera zooms in on my face and I dramatically say oh funny you should ask and then I like <laughs> and then a dramatic retelling of like hops into my past and like tells the story one of my prized possessions is a furry alpaca that I got in Peru that is I'm currently looking at it right now so perhaps that could be used in yes. the background of my reality show <laughs> <laughs> I have an alpaca keychain that I got from Peru oh yes oh I have like five of those I know exactly what you're yep. talking about it's like rolled up yarn yeah a pack that's multicolored. it's made of wire yes <laughs> <laughs> I want one. Well, they're they're like twenty cents, so you Mine, just need to spend okay. eight hundred dollars on a plane ticket, then you can get one. <laughs> Mine was free because we did this like free walking tour, and they were trying to get us to buy things. <laughs> oh, what? I know. I saved twenty Jealous. cents. They're, they're such a good gift. Alpacas have become so popular. Like I've seen so many things. Like I think the most recent was, oh, want to go on a trip? Alpaca my bags with like a T-shirt with an alpaca on it. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're everywhere. I, want that. I love it. I also feel like I would definitely watch your reality show, but also we need to have you back on to tell all the stories you just mentioned. <laughs> I'd be glad to. And that's I was I was even having fun like thinking of what things I would bring up for like that little like snippet. I just have so many. I actually started I started maybe this is embarrassing. I've never told anyone this. I started a book of all the ones that I <laughs> Perhaps that could be whipped out at some point. I mean, hey, I like that too, but mine's more like stupid dramatic stories. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we need to have a storytelling session where we just whip out our books and just go through them. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I actually was reading my journal out loud to Matthew a couple days ago, uh-huh. and because I do this thing where I like recap all the years of my life yeah and so I read him like I can't remember if it was 2017 or 2018 and I was just like peeing my pants laughing at everything I wrote (laughs) and he was just like what it's wrong with you (laughs) oh god I want to read them where are they stored in your house um in a special place oh that is not the answer I wanted well anyways in December I mean you can see them Okay, cool, cool. Would you ever um, just take a snippet and read a dramatic reading of one of them for our listeners? Oh my God, do it. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I would. I will do it. I, if I can carefully craft what part I was going to say, read, you can but... choose. <laughs> okay. Obviously. <laughs> but it has to be read dramatically. Okay. I mean, you know, yeah. I will read no other way. Sometimes uh-huh. when we got group text, I would make Emily dramatically read it to me instead of reading it myself. <laughs> oh, that is such a good skill. I should I should um, send some parent emails that were sent to me during my summer as a camp director and have you oh my dramatically read. There's one in particular yes. that the words food crisis are oh my gosh. the an especially good one. Okay, it's decided. We're doing a dramatic greeting episode. <laughs> <laughs> and if you run out of material, you should dramatically read rap lyrics. That's one of my favorite pastimes. Ooh, okay. Yes. Especially we Candy Shop. That. Highly recommend that one. <laughs> we will add that as a segment. <laughs> Please do. Well, this has been so fun. Thanks for coming on the floral couch. 
Absolutely. It's been so nice and cozy and comfy being on the floral couch with y'all. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. We love you so much. And we appreciate all your stories. And now we know you're going to have to come back to tell us about your being an extra in a kung fu yeah, that, what a cliffhanger. Which I did know. I do know that story, and it's a, gr- <laughs> it's, and it's a good it's one. It's a really good one. Yeah, I'm happy to come back on the floral couch anytime. I have all the time in the world, so I would love to come back whenever. And I so appreciate being on here. Now that I have more time, I know that I listened to basically all of your episodes when I was in Ecuador and Peru and brought y'all international. But now that I have time on my hands, I'm excited to listen to them even more. Oh, well, we appreciate you being a loyal listener. For sure. I tell all my friends when they mention podcasts, hopefully that <laughs> brought you some some listeners because I, I love talking about this podcast. I love it. We love it. And thanks, everybody, for listening <laughs> to this episode of Floral Couch Conversations. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you have any questions, any ideas for episodes, anything you want to hear, send us an email, floralcouchconversations at gmail.com. And if you're liking what you're hearing, like Laura apparently does, leave <laughs> us a five-star review and tell everyone you've ever met. We would greatly appreciate it. Woo. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.